0: Thanks for your welcome. Uh, If you've got a Bible, um, it'll be helpful if you've got it open in front of you. in the passage we read from Isaiah 55. Let's ask God to help us as we come to study and hear his word together. Lord God, your word is true. We've sung about the preciousness of your word to us. Lord God, help us now, all of us here, including myself, to hear what you say say to us as individuals and as your church. Speak to us by your spirit, we pray, through your word, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Earlier this month, I received an invitation from our local MP to uh, meet with her and other um, local church leaders to discuss how best we serve our communities. Now, sadly, I've already got something on that day, so I'm not able to go, I'm hoping to send one of our fellowship along. I, I wrote to them and said, you know, really thanks for the invitation, but I've got something else on that particular afternoon. Invitations are part and part of life, aren't they? Particularly those that are from individuals, you know, for example, Chris invited me to come here to preach, and I invited Chris by return to come preach to us. Invitations. Perhaps you've been invited to a wedding. Or, uh, or a party. You've been invited to help with the Victorian Fair. And uh, hopefully the original will hear the good responses to that invitation. They're part and parcel of life. You know, if someone tells you, invites you to come to them, or to come to where they are, it's usually because they've got something they want to share with you. They want to give to you or offer to you. Invitations. Invitations. It's pretty clear from our Bible reading from Isaiah 55 what the Lord wants us to do. Come. Come. The Lord invites people to come to him. The word is used five times in 13 verses. And it's not just the word come, there's, this chapter says, listen, incline your ear, seek, call on him, return. This section of Isaiah calls us to respond, you and me. To pay attention and to answer. To accept the Lord's invitation. We're going to ask three questions this morning. What does the Lord offer? Why can you trust him? And how do you get what he offers? What does the Lord offer? Why can you trust him? And how do you get what he offers? First of all then, first question, what does the Lord offer? What does the Lord offer? (coughs) In our world, there are the haves and the have not. There are those who have money and position and privilege and there's those who don't. There are those who get the invites to meet the great and the good, people like me, to meet Arlo local MP. And those who don't. And that's just the way our world is, isn't it? You know, as Christians, we feel the, the downside, you know, the have-nots, you know, to talk about warm-ups. We've, we've started one on a Monday morning in Drillington. You know, the have-nots the people who can't afford things. But there's always the have-nots and there's always the haves. In Isaiah 55, verse 1, we discover that the Lord doesn't operate like the world. He says, whoever you are, wherever you come from, come to me. It doesn't matter whether you're a have or a have not. And he begins with those who are in need... And who know they are? Look at look at it in verse one. Everyone who first comes to the, comes to the waters. He who has money, he or she—it's not an exclusive term to just men, men and women who have no money. Come buy and eat. Come buy and buy wine and milk without money and without price. It's the thirsty. It's the destitute. But very importantly here, this isn't the Lord's food bank. Look at verse three. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear that your soul may live. It's so that your soul will live. See, the Lord is talking to people who know in their soul, deep down inside, that they are not what they should be and can't seem to improve. People who know if there is a God, the God is too good for them. People who have tried what the world has offered and are still not satisfied. You know, perhaps these people have tried the wine, they've tried the affairs, they've tried the leisure, the possessions, the career, the self-preservation, the always being right. Whatever they have done, they are still hungry for something, thirsty for more. And the Lord says to them, who have nothing, come. But it's not just those who have nothing, or feel they have nothing. Look at verse 2. He talks to those who are still buying from the world. Why? Do you spend your money for that which is not bread? And your labour for that which does not satisfy you know, there are still people, says the Lord, who are who have got stuff, and they think that stuff from other people will help them. Stuff they can get it will satisfy them. They carry on working to get what they need. They carry on consuming the diet of social media of indulgence. They still invest in it, and the Lord says, "Look, you're consuming the wrong stuff. You're indulging in rubbish." You're expending all this effort, it's all your money, your heart, and you get nothing lasting back. But you see, by contrast, what does the Lord offer? End of verse 2. Listen diligently to me and eat what is good and delight yourselves in rich food. See, this food that the Lord is offering, we've already to been told, it's free. It costs nothing. It'll satisfy. It will make you delight. It will make your soul live. And what's the Lord saying? You know, it's like gorging yourself on fast food, which costs you, when you could be at an eternal banquet for free. It's like going to McDonald's, when you can go to Leeds Town Hall for a free reception. It's that kind of idea. But here's the question. What is this rich food? Because the Lord's saying you can buy wine and milk without money. But then he says, it's not bread, because you can buy that. Well, verse 10 and 11 help us with this. Look at verse 10. For as the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that so shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. My mouth it shall not return to me empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. So what's he saying? Well, just as the rain waters the earth, makes things grow, we know that and flourish. The word of the Lord does the same. The word of the Lord feeds your soul. The word of the Lord waters your mind. <coughs> The word of the Lord makes good things grow. Fruits. As we see later, not thorns, not briars. See, what's the Lord offering? He's offering his life giving word. But it's not simply his word, the Bible. There's something deeper here. Because he's offering you his son. Look at verses three to six. It says, <laughs> he says, Incline your ear and come to me here that your soul may live. And I will make with you an everlasting covenant, my steadfast sure love for David. Behold, I made him a witness to the peoples, a leader and commander for the peoples. Behold, you shall call a nation that did not know, a nation that did not know you shall run to you, because of the Lord your God, because of the Holy One of Israel, for he has glorified you. What's going on here? Well, the Lord promised David, in he, that his descendant would sit on David's throne forever. That a king from his line would reign. David's son is the one who is going to be the witness, the leader of people, one who calls the nations and people groups to himself, one who is given splendor by the Lord. And of course, who is he talking about? He's talking about Jesus, David's greatest son, the servant who sacrificed himself on the cross, the savior who calls all those who are weary and heavy laden to come to him. And he will give them rest. Whoever they are. <coughs> wherever they are from. And that is rich food. The richest of fare. That is the wine. And it is the milk. That is made without that money and cost. You see the life giving word of the Lord. His written word of the Bible. Fulfilled and confirmed by his final word. Jesus is the free and gracious gift that he offers. It makes your soul live. It will satisfy. And the Lord tells us it is free. You can buy it without money and without price. And that's one of the reasons why this chapter ends with joy. You shall go out in joy. You'll live in peace creation will join together and it will sing. See, what's going on here? The Lord's offering you and me transformation, fruitful living, freedom from slavery, joy, not fear, peace, not conflict. Now, if you're someone this morning who's already put your trust in Jesus, then you know this, don't you? You know this. And the question that this chapter is putting to us, if you're already a Christian, is why are you going back? Why spend your soul on what is not good for it? On what is not good for it? Why waste what God has given you on stuff that you know doesn't satisfy? He says, I'll offer you rich food. It will make your soul live that's what the Lord offers second question why can you trust him why can you trust him now we have another new Prime Minister um, I seem to be saying it most weeks but um, one of the interesting things that Richard Sunak, our new Prime Minister has promised is integrity professionalism and accountability at every level now, I'd say politically, that's probably at a good thing to say, but dangerous, <laughs> as we have seen. But that's what he's promised. We've had the um, mega-rich Elon Musk taking over Twitter. Why is he taking over Twitter? Well, he's saying, I want to promote free speech. People will say what they like. Putin has said that he won't use nuclear weapons in Ukraine. That's what they say. Can you trust their words? Can you trust what they say? See, we might say to Isaiah, you know, it's a lovely chapter, This great words, but it's a great invitation, it sounds good, it's free, but how do I know that this God will deliver? How can I be sure that he will back up what he says? Can I place in his hands my whole life? My soul, my all, all of my desires. All of my fears. I want you to look again at the invitation. See, the Lord says that what he offers is free. Those who have nothing, have nothing to offer, can have it. Everyone who thirsts, they have no money. The destitute, physically, spiritually, emotionally, monetarily, they can have it. The have-nots, and he also says those who have something, who are continuing spending their money or spending their lives on stuff, they can have it. See, it's grace. It's free. It doesn't depend on you. It doesn't require anything from you. When you take out insurance, on your car or perhaps, house or on your possessions or on a holiday or on your life, in the small print, I don't you ever read the really small print? Um, it's all right if you have, don't worry. Um, one of the things it says is you're told the policy is underwritten. And what that means is the person who sold it to you, they go last. It means that your policy shouldn't fail. That's the idea anyway. It's underwritten by another company or by the same company. The underwriter guarantees the policy. Yeah? So whatever happens, your insurance should be fine. Of course, there's going to be a small print, but they're going to try to wriggle out of it. But that's the idea, isn't it? It's underwritten. Yeah? It's guaranteed. I don't know if you noticed that this invitation from the Lord is underwritten by an everlasting covenant. Incline your ear and come to me, here that your son may live, and I will make with you an everlasting covenant of my steadfast, sure love for David. What's going on here? Well, the Lord is saying to us that the, the invitation is fully guaranteed. It's not going to be withdrawn because there's something on your health record it isn't going to fail the losses that you offer will not make it null and void it's all covered and the Lord says if you doubt this covenant, this agreement, this guarantee remember this what the Lord promised to David he fulfilled in Jesus The King who rules forever on David's throne. And if Jesus fulfilled the covenant, if Jesus took up our infirmities and carried our sorrows and paid for our sin, which is what Isaiah fifty-three tells us, then the invitation to come stands, and it can be trusted. We all know in our world there are people who are successful. There always are, but even successful people fail. So, for example, Don Revy was the most successful manager of Leeds United in history. When he became England manager in the 1970s, he failed. Liz Truss became Prime Minister. She lasted only 45 days. Churchill led the nation through World War Two, But he was voted out of office straight after People have success, but they will fail. But what do we find here? The Lord's word is always successful. Back to verse 10 and 11. There's the rain and the snow come down from heaven, and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, etc. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. It shall not return to be empty, but it shall accomplish that which I purpose, and shall succeed in the thing for which I sent it. See, the Lord's word does what it says it will do. If you remember Ron Seal, it does exactly what it says on the team. It's a great sales line, isn't it? Because I've not forgotten. How would they been doing that for more than 20 years? But that's the point, isn't it? It does what it says it will do. His word can be trusted. It never comes back empty. It's never useless. It never fails to do what it set out to do. You see, the Lord can be trusted because He will do what He says He will do. When He invites you to come, it's not going to just like the Lord, ha, it's a joke. He receives you. When He says He will have mercy, He'll have mercy. When He says you can come without money, you can. When he says it's free, it is. And it's still free. You've probably heard the phrase there's no such thing as a free lunch. And in other words, free offers always have a catch. And there's always something to be provided in return. What do people say? If if something seems too good to be good true, it is. But not here. There's no cash. There's no hidden requirements. There's no secret payment. There are no last minute changes. See, if you trust in Jesus, sometimes we forget that, don't we? We say, oh, this is all well and good, but look what I did. Look what I said. And how can he receive me back? And how can I come back? Well, we go back to verse 1. Come without money. Verse 2. Stop going after stuff. It isn't helping you. Come back to me, says the Lord. There's no catch. There's no hidden requirement. No secret payment. No last minute changes. You can trust him. Third and final question. How do you get what he offers? How do you get what he offers? We're probably used to getting offers, aren't we? You get it in the supermarket, you get it in your email, inbox, you get them thrust into your hand when you walk down the street. But of course, the offer doesn't mean anything, does it? It's not that. You've got to reply, haven't you? You've got to say, yes, I'll have it. You've got to go and redeem it. You've got to redeem the offer, the code, the the, uh, the QR code or the barcode or whatever it is, or the you know the two for one. You've got to go and do it, redeem it. The Lord invites you. Come, He says. You can trust me, He says. I will make your soul live forever, He says. I will satisfy you, He says. It's free, He says. But. It's not just going to fall into your lap. Look at verses 6 and 7 with me. Just so you know, I actually think these verses are Isaiah speaking, in between the Lord speaking, okay? And here's why. It kind of makes sense if you think about it. Because Isaiah is saying in the middle of this prophecy that the Lord's given to him, seek the Lord. Listen. To his word. Is it true? Do you want it? They call on him, says Isaiah. Tell him that you want what he offers. Tell him you want your soul to live. Tell him you need him to save you. And if you know you need him to save you, you must turn around, says Isaiah. Turn to the Lord. Admit you've you've lived the wrong life. Confess you've thought lots of bad stuff that no one else will ever know about. Resolve to live God's way, not your way. It's called repentance. It's turning around. Confessing your sin, turning around. Turning away from how you used to live and turning to the Lord. And we've already seen you can trust the Lord. You can trust what He says. You can trust his son Jesus to pay for your wicked ways and your thoughts in fill. And what will the Lord do, says Isaiah, end of verse 7, that he, the Lord, may have compassion on him. Have compassion on you. Abundantly pardon. show grace. You know, one of the interesting things about passages like this is no, first of all, this is the Old Testament. You see, people who know a bit about Christianity but not a lot say oh the Old Testament is all doom and gloom, it's hell like fire and brimstone, it's intolerant it's appalling, we need to ditch it what does say here, whatever you've done come to me and I will show compassion it's grace undeserved unearned you get what he offers. See, his invitation is true. It's a Bible. And if you want to put a New Testament phrase in it, it's the gospel. It's the good news of Jesus. And this morning, if you're following Jesus, this is what you have received. You have come and have received compassion from the Lord. But you see, someone might say, well, it's a bit weird, isn't it? it weird. Why has it got to be like this? Why would you do it like this? Why would you do it differently? Well, first of all, <laughs> the Lord tells us that, uh, well, the thing is, that, here's the thing, said the Lord. You know, my mind's bigger than yours. And my power is greater than yours. And the way I do things is different to the way that uh, you expect to do them. And you know, the reality is, we often don't like that, do we? You know, if you're a Christian, you want God to operate in our terms. Let's be honest, we do. We want God to do what we want. You know, we pray, yeah, we pray for things, and then we want God to do exactly what we ask Him to do. We want the church to make, to, want the church to reflect our desires. Or we try to make it do that. But what the Lord saying about now, and now? He says, "I do the things I, the way I want to, because I'm God." Not out of any kind of megalomania. Well because I'm God. And you can trust me. The Lord does things the way he does them. Now you may think it was all very odd and very needless. Why does he just forgive everybody? Why do we need to do what he wants? Why do we need to repent? Why do we need to face up to bad stuff? Why does God want me to feel so bad about myself? That I come crawling on my knees, begging. Well, if the Lord just just forgave everybody, and said, no, it's fine. He wouldn't be much of a God, would he? If he just did what we wanted, he'd be lower than us. Be pointless. And if he just forgave everybody without demanding repentance, then what happens to all the evil? What happens to what Vladimir Putin has done in Ukraine? Nothing. What happens to the um, murderers who kill kids in American schools? Nothing. What happens to the rapists and the paedophiles? Nothing. What happens in the Islamic countries who who oppress women? and People who don't agree with them? Nothing. Nothing at all. I would mean Jesus didn't have to die. But Jesus did die. Jesus rose from the dead. The punishment we deserved that brought us peace was put upon him. And because of that, what does this chapter tell us? We can go out with joy. We can be led forth in peace. Because that peace was obtained, to us, obtained for us by Jesus, and it's going to be forever. See, what does the Lord say to us this morning? He says, come, come. I offer you the best of all gifts. It's free. I'll make you a new person. I will take away your sin and your guilt. I will do it. You can trust me. I always keep my promises. I always achieve what I most deeply desire. So, God's word to us this morning is respond to the Lord's invitation. Come to Him. Turn around to Him for mercy. Trust Jesus to pay for your sin. That's how you get what He offers. So, go and get it. Let's pray. Father, in one of the the most wonderful passages in the Bible, we want to thank you for your compassion and praise you for your compassionate towards people like us who don't deserve it, who go our own way and have brought sin and difficulty and greed in our own lives and in the lives of others, yet Lord we thank you that you have compassion and you call us to come. And Lord God, this morning, it doesn't matter if we're a Christian already or not yet, we all need to come. <clears throat> to come to you, to confess, but also to trust your word. Trust that you are the compassionate and gracious God who makes our souls live, who gives us new life that is forever through Jesus. Lord God, we come trusting you to give us life and satisfaction and mercy and joy and peace. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.